Welcome to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, this is this is a big one. This is the one that I think everybody has been waiting for us to do. It's probably the most anticipated movie and review of 2020. Yes, today... We are reviewing a tour filmmaker, Ron, Ron Howard, <laughs> Ron Howard's Hillbilly Elegy, uh, Elegy or Elegy, Elegy, although elegy. it should be a eulogy because this movie review is going to st- should kill someone's career. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Ron Howard will just he'll do anything. Well, what's uh, starring- insane <laughs> about this is that there's a lot of really talented people behind this like the cinematographer is maurice alberti and she is the same cinematographer who shot both darren aronofsky's the wrestler and ryan coogler's creed and it's like how do you get these people and make such a bland movie and like we'll talk about this more when we get into the review but like there's this weird thing where i could i could give this a one star but yeah, I, I, know. I, I don't want to weirdly give it that much credit if this makes any sense, because I feel yes, like a one we'll star into, movie but... would be like almost like tempting people to see it because it's so bad. It's like, man, this like this is a but it's I'm giving it, you know, spoiler alert to to the end of the show. I'm giving it two because I feel like it's so middle of the road and so boring as a film that it doesn't deserve any like curiosity watch even like it's just yeah kind of i agree with you and i'm flat. on the exact same page also giving it a two there you go thank you everyone for listening <laughs> we did uh, it. if you want <laughs> it's done <laughs> uh, no the movie stars amy adams glenn close uh Haley bennett uh uh, uh bo hopkins frida pinto uh gabriel basso um and more uh, it's now streaming on Netflix, uh, which is why we're recording this, because I totally didn't even realize it came out today. Um, it didn't even realize it came out today. <laughs> no. Um, and I think that's all people need to know. You can watch it right now. Uh, but spoilers, you probably should not do that. Um, I'll do the rigmarole at the end of the other shows that we do. Let's just get right into it, Eric. What the hell is Hillbilly Elegy? Well, Matt, there are three types of people in life. There are the good Terminators, the bad Terminators, and the neutral Terminators. And What a what a metaphor. I know. It reminded me of Team America as well, the three types of people in Team America, which is better. Yeah. Um, the assholes. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, I want to preface this with- The people who shit. The trailer- out of context does look ridiculous and over the top and kind of has like that a little bit of that David O. Russell vibe of like, you know, redneck white trash kind of people kind of poverty porn, poverty porn doing their thing and shouting at each other. But at the end, you know, they're, you know, they, they, they stand by each other and, and, and are always their bootstraps and get the American dream. Yeah. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding with the banjo. Um, but this movie is just so and this is partly Ron Howard's fault this it, it's so generic it's so yeah. uninteresting it's based on uh JD Vance's uh memoir who's a conservative commentator um a lawyer an entrepreneur um and if you go on his twitter he is also kind of a horrible person um uh, in what in, do you in know? the same way that uh, Nick Vellalonga was with uh a green book. Now you'll notice I'm stalling yeah. to give you a plot synopsis, but there's not a lot to to go on. Like if if you look at sort of the main sort of story arc, it is about 
uh, JD Vance and, and his point of view of, of looking at um, the two women who raised him in the Appalachian, uh, the Appalachian way in sort of in the late nineties. And then the, the other part of the framing device um, is that we see JD in law school, uh, law, uh, law school in um, 2011. And it's him sort of dealing with um, his mother, who's played by Amy Adams relapsing and figuring out whether or not to put her um, in a, it's rehab in a center. rehab center and and Amy Adams is Beverly is just like this out of control over the top and at many many times abusive uh mother and then uh in the flashbacks we also learn that it got so bad at one point that Glenn Close's mama who's the grandmother of of the family um had to intervene and look after JD and sort of you know make sure that he grew up the right way and in that you know meaning that he you know focused on school did all of his homework and didn't hang out with people that would uh lead him into a, a bad situation so it's a coming of age story it's basically your typical kind of um white privilege movie even though you know they are poor but like it, it has this weird like stink of like a you know like it, it feels like perfectly in line with the trump years especially with some of the writing and dialogue and i wrote lines down where it's like you know uh us hill people should be proud of who we are and oh, you know, and stuff like Any that Any conversation he had with frida pinto's character on the phone was just the worst thing i've ever heard in my life yeah so frida and- pinto plays um uh his his uh partner his girlfriend, girlfriend and then yeah. eventually uh uh his his wife in in real life and yeah like th- those lines like i mean i feel really bad for frida pinto cuz it's like literally she's just there to service uh jd vance as he like this is the main plot the main plot is him literally driving to to um Ohio to find a place for his mom to stay rehab wise and then making sure he has enough time to get back for a job interview because he needs this internship for the summer in order to pass and the movie is just so vanilla in that Ron Howard way and I feel like maybe the benefit of that is it takes away some of the political leanings of Vance's own life and own history to kind of make it a little bit more quote unquote accessible, but there's just nothing there. And like even the caricatures of these performances, like there, there's nothing that's really interesting other than the way that they look. Like Glenn Close looks ridiculous as yeah, like a cartoon character. But yeah. but at the same time it's not memorable in that like you you no. come away from the movie and you're kind of like, oh, like that was a good performance. Like this is going to get Glenn Close a, a supporting actress nomination probably. And it's- Which it, is ridiculous. Yeah, and it's not based on the performance. It's just based on, okay, well, Glenn Close is Glenn Close. And, you know, we didn't give her the win for The Wife, which a lot of people thought she would eventually win. And she's, you know, been nominated like eight times now. So it, it's like one of those things where it's like, <sighs> I, I really have nothing to say about this movie other than the people involved should be ashamed and they know better. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, I I joked about this when we were talking with um, Nick Scarpino uh, yesterday, which we have a untitled movie conversation with him uh, probably up right now that you guys can uh, listen to. Um, I'll plug it at the end of the show. Um, but I had to watch this in parts because like, and like you said, it it's not horrible enough where you can kind of like laugh at it or like it's not so... Um, over the top i mean there are moments that are like that just like you said but like it's got that ron howard vanilla in it that kind of just makes it like not even fun to hate watch it right like i mean you kind of know going in you're like all right like i kind of know what i'm gonna expect here but i'll give you know ron howard can make a decent movie you know it just for every decent movie there's seven other uh, you know, vanilla, boring paint by numbers. I'll do what the studio tells me movies. And I think this just kind of, you know, falls in that category where, um, you know, it's Oscar Beatty. It is uh, appealing to, you know, uh, I think a, a big part of Netflix's audience that will probably, you know, like this movie because I'm not trying to shit on anyone and everyone can like what they like, but like, it, it's just, we talked about, and Netflix does a good job at this because even in um, Trial of the Chicago Seven, which um, I, I think is obviously a much better movie than this, but it, it panders to a, a, a crowd that, you know, that Oscar Beatty kind of feel good um, kind of people looking for that kind of experience. And I think this movie is also playing in that where it's like, Oh, I can see someone who, you know, a recovering drug addict and this, this, this kid who, uh, was in this hillbilly town and he got out of it and he's, he's at Yale. It's the American dream kind of thing. And it's just, it's, it's so generic. And even his story is like, not even that, okay, you went to Yale and like, it's just like, I don't, what is this movie like saying? Oh, my mom was a drug addict and my, uh, grandpa and grandma were, I mean, they cared about me, but were abusive. And like, um, I, I went to school. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay, is that really? Well, is I that feel it? like the film is kind of yeah. emphasizing the, the the fact that you stick by those who you're closest sure. to, and that you even when uh, they're, you know, at their worst, you always kind of try to do right by them, and it's you know family sure. traditions and that kind of thing. Like, there's a line early on about like. You know, if you get into a fight with some, don't get into a fight with somebody. But if you do, you've got to end it. Or if you don't end it, you have to have somebody that's in your family to do it and that kind of thing. And like, even when he's at, uh, you know, law school, there's a scene like when he's at a, a dinner table and awkwardly trying to right. talk to people, and you know, they kind of make fun of you know the Southern traditions and what have you. And then he kind of corrects him. Like there's th- like that maybe is partly relatable in the sense that like you know as as film critics that live in the durham region going to toronto (laughs) and talking to uh our colleagues and you know whenever if ever oshawa or durham region is mentioned you know it's it's looked upon as kind of like a redneck kind of community and so like you kind of feel like this weird like obligation and like anger like you you well you didn't you didn't grow up there. You don't know it. I mean, it's the same thing with last black man in San Francisco with the line about like hating San Francisco, but you know, you're not, 
you're a tourist. You're not somebody that lives there and you don't have the I right to do that. I understand that, but does that deserve to be turned into a movie? Oh, no, not at all. So. Not at all. I think there, that's I think my there main are point better of like, films. That, that's why I was pointing out with there are better yeah. movies that deal with that kind of thing. That's what I mean. Like this movie, I feel like is so surface level and it's showing us things we've seen a hundred times before in other better movies that I'm just like, what is this movie specifically saying and what makes it different than those other movies or just like, you know, a flashy, you know, flashy in, in air quotes performance by Amy Adams and Glenn Close just because, you know, they have a lot of makeup on and they're made to look, you know, like, uh, you know, hillbillies. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just and like, it's, right, it's so weird right. because the, it's just it's there's nothing authentic about that. And like it just no. kind of feels like you have actors playing those parts instead yes, of inhabiting exactly. them and like actually take and again like the the david o russell comparison with like the fighter like amy adams being in that movie like you can tell that they're exaggerated people caricatures but there is something in those david o russell movies that feels genuine and authentic and and, and a little bit more lived in where this just yeah. kind of feels like you have you know a-list actors playing these roles and just dressing up in order to, you know, show people, oh wow, we can we can play, you know, the 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 blue collar to poverty level, um, you know, working American in, in you know steel towns and things like that, like anybody else, and like it's weirdly condescending in that regard. And then you have like Ron Howard doesn't know how to depict drug addiction. Like there's this weird scene where you see yeah. Amy Adams, you know, she works at a hospital as a nurse and she just loves roller skating. She just man. loves roller skating. And like, there's a scene where she's taking, you know, medication, hospital medication and stealing the medication, stealing yeah. the medication. And in between, you know, taking care of patients, she's popping pills and she gets so high that she borrows uh, a fellow uh, workers, uh, roller skates. And weirdly the song choice is banana Rama's cool summer. Uh, but it almost sounds like it was like recorded, like, in like a bubble or something. And like, you're just like, like, is this what Ron Howard thinks? Like, you know, somebody tripping out is like, <laughs> it's, it was ridiculous. But I want to talk about something positive here. There, there, there are two things. So the first thing is the one, the one aspect I will give this movie a, a little bit of credit for is I think casting director, uh, Carmen Cuba got, the the kid, the kid and, the, and the lead yeah. so gabriel basso That's so i thought the same thing and yeah. uh um owen uh azaltos uh correct like it feels like they they are the same person like they like owen grows up to be uh gabriel basso like i think that is a is a I good totally agree with that and that's the first thing i noticed too of going like holy shit like they nailed that of going from that younger kid to the slightly older it, he jumps what like 11 12 years i think because it's 97 yeah. to 2011 11. right yeah yeah um, so good, so, good yeah. for you, Carmen, Carmen Cuba. You you did a great job in terms of, of of casting there. And then the other thing I'll talk about that's not positive to the film, but is a movie that does this much better, uh, which we also just recently watched, is Minari, where you look at yes. the American dream from the point of view of a family that are kind of outsiders or outcasts trying to, you know, make it on their own, but also kind of trying to keep themselves together and, you know, is in the South. But that movie is beautiful and nuanced and subtle. And We're, subtle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is just so over the top and bombastic and yelling. Like, even. And which on, movie prominently features Mountain Dew? It might not. It might surprise not be the one you. That yeah. <laughs> um, and then, like, even like the score, which is 
co-composed by Hans Zimmer. Like, it's just so generic Which, and uninteresting. I feel like we're at a point now where Hans Zimmer literally just does these pairings where it's just like a, a executive producer credit where oh, I feel yeah, like it's yeah. like, it's like, oh yes, I co did the score with this other person when it's really Hans Zimmer just being like, all right, you go do it and I'll put my name on it. <laughs> yeah. And, and it kind of feels like there's this weird, like, so sort of banjo kind of like Hick-esque sort of personality to the, the most score. obvious kind of ridiculous yeah, yeah. thing. <laughs> And that's what I mean. It's like, and Ron Howard is like an, a very, you know, he's not a subtle filmmaker, and he, um, uh, and he doesn't have to be. Like, he's done some good stuff, but it's always based on the material. Like, I like Apollo, you know, thirteen, 13 and, and yeah. things like that, and and Backdraft and movies like that. But Rush like, was great. Yeah, Rush is probably his last like really solid film, <clears throat> but he's also a, like a commercial filmmaker. And again, there's nothing he's wrong like the mo- with he's that. He's the biggest gun for hire in Hollywood. Yeah. But like it, he's literally the biggest name who is just basically a gun for hire. Like if you pick any five Ron Howard movies and try to find the similarities between them, you of won't. Like his, Unless it's just casting. No, yeah. Like sometimes you'll see certain actors – like Glenn Close has worked with him before in the paper and like, you know, Michael Keaton's worked with him a few times and Tom Hanks has worked with him a few times. So like things like that are probably the only thing, but like you look at something like the dilemma and this, and you're like, what's, like, what's you the thematic similarities? Like, Apollo 13, Ransom, Ed TV, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, A Beautiful Mind, The Missing, Cinderella Man, The Da Vinci Code, Frost Nixon, Angels and Demons, The Dilemma, Rush, In the Heart of the Sea, Inferno, Solo, A Star Wars Story, and then Hillbilly Elegy. And that's going from, you know, 99 or no, sorry, 95 to 2020. And you mentioned the paper, which was the year before in, in 94. Like, it's just, it's. I don't know. It's just one of those like who do we who will do exactly what we want, <laughs> and it'll just be Ron Howard, right? But I mean, like, again, like Ridley Scott does something similar where like he doesn't make really like visually speaking, there is a notor status in Ridley Scott sure. movies. But you look at his crew; it's like besides the but he'll the, take the, he'll partner with a different writer and just yeah, you know, and yeah. and and I mean like obviously as well with Ridley Scott, like he's a guy that does like his two big kind of genres are sci-fi and, and costume dramas, but there's a visual aesthetic that is present in, in all of his movies. And that has inspired other filmmakers, but you look at his career, his career is, is all over the place in terms of like, like what he's doing. It just kind of almost feels like, okay, I'll take this script and we'll, we'll make this movie because you know, this is what we, what we can do at the time. And it's the same thing with Ron Howard. Ron Howard's just like, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll clean up the solo movie and 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 have my name as the director, but like, there's nothing added to it. It just kind of feels like it's weird that we know who Ron Howard is, and I guess it's also just partly because Ron Howard started as you know Opie and and you know American Graffiti and working with Roger Corman and and things like that. But it's it's just bizarre that Ron Howard as a director is a household name, who who's a guy who just doesn't really even have a signature. Yeah, and I feel like, again, going back to the five movie thing, I think if you went, everyone would go, do you know who Ron Howard is? And you go, yeah. And then you go, okay, name four movies he directed. Right. And I feel like most people would be like, ah, he did Apollo 13, didn't he? And then like, go, uh, and then you go, he did The Dilemma. Do you remember that? And they go, what? And then, <laughs> I don't know, dude. But like, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's, you put it perfectly where it's like, it's not bad enough 
to be like, oh my God, you got to watch this movie. It's fucking atrocious. But it is that level of bad where you're like, no, it's just straight up not, not good. And it's like, it's hard to watch because of that, where it's like the performances aren't even campy enough where you're like, oh, this is fucking hilarious, where it they're just over the top enough where you're like, these people are trying way too hard. And this the material they're given is just not super great. It's way too obvious. It's just, it's not really saying anything deep or interesting. And it's just, I'm just like, why do I, like, again, I'm JD Vance, whatever he's doing now, like you said, if he's a trumper or whatever, I don't care about any of that, but like his story, yes, it sucks. Your mom, uh, uh, had a very hard time with drugs and those stories are important and can be told in interesting ways, just the way that it is here. And you, you brought up privilege where it's not, it doesn't touch on any of that. And it's trying to depict it as like, Oh, look at my tough upbringing. And I, I, I made it through and, and yeah, stick with my, uh, with your family and family is first. And I don't know. I just don't feel like any of that really comes across and it just feels so surface level to the point where I'm like, all right, he cares about his mom, even though, you know, she wasn't super great to him growing up and, um, and stuff. But I'm like, is that it? Is there anything more here? And then like every phone call and like Frida, uh, Frida Pinto's character is kind of, you know, the, uh, the sit in for the audience sort of, and then like it, where he can go back and explain his feelings to, to her. And I just feel like every conversation they had is when I really went like, whew, this is awful. Like when he would be on the phone and be like, you don't understand on uh, like, and like yelling at her. And like, that's the one time where that actor, I forget his name. You brought him Gabriel up. Basso. I, yeah. I just was like, I didn't, I thought he was fine throughout the whole movie actually but like um those scenes specifically whenever he'd have to kind of go back to her and explain i was like woof man this stuff this is rough well it's because he um, never tells her anything it's like you don't un- yeah. she doesn't understand because you're not letting her in like you're kind of being it's just, a dick yeah it's that those spoon fed obvious moments where they have to explain, you know, what, what they're trying to say through that character that I just kind of like more so than the flashy performances from AD, Amy Adams and, and Glenn Close that I was just like, that's the stuff where I was like, oh God, this is the voiceover and just like the whole, I'm like, I can't do this. And then it just, it was just tough to watch because it is just boring. <laughs> And I'm just like, all right, halfway through, I'm like, I need to take a break. I need an intermission here. And I'm like, I got, I just can't, I can't do this right now. And, um, I had to pause it and come back to it later in the night and eventually finished it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Another vanilla kind of, um, uh, bad movie from Ron Howard. And, uh, I don't suggest any of you watch it. <laughs> no, I, I can't either. I, I, Ronnie, you, you let me down. You let me down. God, if this gets a Best Picture nomination, <laughs> I, I'm just... I don't think it will. I think Glenn Close will get nominated, and that's just really on the merit if of this who Glenn Close is. Amy Adams gets her Oscar for? <laughs> well, it's, it, would be, it would be pretty bad if Amy Adams got nominated for this, especially when you consider she was not nominated for Arrival, which I think is probably one of her best performances. That's what I'm saying. Like That would be you know the perfect thing. Not perfect. I mean that... Well, I mean, like, that's the other thing that we have to take into consideration. So, like, you know, in in terms of uh, awards groups and things like that, like, critics won't vote for this movie, but I could see Academy members still kind of being suckered in by it because it is big and showy and, 
you know, you have these two movie stars in these roles and that's kind of appealing. And, and again, the critic consensus doesn't always fall in line with, you know, um, other guilds that are actually in the industry. Um, especially because Ron Howard is uh, like, that's the other thing. Like Ron Howard is People a very likable like guy. Yeah. And, and like, he seems like a nice, enough I like Ron guy. Howard, even though we've been shitting on him for 23 same, minutes. Same. Like- but I think this year, like the, the Ron Howard had a better movie with rebuilding paradise, uh, documentary that he did. Um, but the better filmmaker this year in terms of the Howard clan is Bryce Dallas Howard's episode of the Mandalorian. A better Star Wars director, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, her episode of uh, Sol- or not Solo, fuck, um, Mandalorian was excellent. And um, excited to see how she, uh, I know she made dads, but to see what she does next. With Ron Howard. Kind of, yeah, I know, of course. Um, but curious to see what uh, what she'll do next. But um, and curious to see what Ron Howard will do because I never know. I'm just yeah. like you know what it could be. It could be a Marvel movie. It could be like uh, I don't know, like some uh, musical. Uh, who the fuck knows? Does, but, does anybody um, have, does any uh, filmmaker right now have something that they're that they're doing that they've been kicked off of? Because right. some wing. studio who just is like, ah, guys, who who should we get to do this? We got this pile of scripts here. Ronnie, pick one. And I feel like sometimes he just closes his eyes and he just he just closes his eyes and he grabs one and he's like, I'm going to do this. He just goes and, into Brian Grazer's office and is like, what do you have for me? <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. And then Brian Grazer throws six of them and then whatever one hits him in the face, he does uh anyways i give it a two i think eric gave it a two we spoiled that at the beginning um and yeah i'm with you eric like i i hovered over that half star and one star but i'm i was exactly in the same headspace as you are i'm like i can't even give it the credit for being that bad yeah this is not as bad as cats like cats like i can understand somebody being like okay i gotta watch this because everybody is shitting on it and like it is getting these horrible reviews and it earns that that terrible rating where this is like, this is you bad. can hate watch cats where yeah. like, and have fun with it. If you're with the right people or in the right headspace, um, mainly just being stoned um, and hillbilly elegy. You just I never suggest watching it. It's just not good. Um, yeah. This truly and, was a eulogy instead of an elegy. Yeah. Um, Minari is excellent. We'll have a review up for Minari. Eric already kind of brought up the the main points there, but yeah, handles the American dream in a um, much more nuanced and interesting way. Yeah. <laughs> so and again, well, Mountain Dew. Yeah, God, I could go for some Mountain Dew right now. Um, thank you all for listening. If you like this, uh, we got a couple other shows that we would love for you guys to check out uh the entitled movie podcast our flagship show we will have our 79th or 80th draft 79th i think 79th draft will be up very very soon for you guys to listen to lots of news that we got to cover uh like wonder woman going to hbo max and deadpool 3 is getting written and uh, dexter's coming back uh, it's gonna be my ongoing joke he's back surprise motherfucker um (laughs) rude great great meme um and then uh untitled movie conversations we are back with a couple new conversations uh we have conversations uh right now um you can check out our um uh interview uh with oh my god why am i blanking 
Joey, Joey, Joey Magidson, Magidson from Awards Radar. Um, we had a wonderful conversation about uh, award season. Did we talk about Hillbilly Elegy a little bit? Um, Joey had a fantastic conversation with him about an hour long about uh, you know the what the Oscars will be during this very very strange uh, 2020 season, um, which he made a great point of it being like, well, we're talking in, you know, end of November, which would be, you know, kind of in full force in, in, in award season, but really because the deadline was extended to February, like we're kind of in that, you know, August, September range right now. So yeah, yeah. very weird year, but really cool conversation with Joey. Uh, also, uh, we did a, a great conversation with Nick Scarpino from, uh, kind of funny where, uh, very different where we just geeked out about star Wars, Marvel, uh, uh, Vince Vaughn holiday movies, what we've been um, watching in general, what we've been just what we've been watching. So awesome conversation with Nick. Uh, you can probably check that out right now on untitled movie conversations. Uh, so we promised it and we are back. Uh, we're going to try to put out episodes as often as we really feel like it on that show. So you might get two in a week or you might get, you know, one a month you might get, it really depends. Uh, we'll try to figure out a schedule, a regular schedule there. But um, we kind of just like when we have someone cool to talk to, we're going to talk to them and then we're going to throw it up for you guys. So Untitled Movie Conversations, go check that out. And then finally, all of our other reviews over on this channel. Uh, we got reviews up right now for uh, Run, uh, Borat 2. Uh, Let him go. Let him go. Happiest season. Um, uh, lots of stuff for you guys to go check out. So please go check out our other reviews on this channel. Uh, please rate if you have a few uh, rate and review. If you have a few extra moments, we'd really, really appreciate that. That trilogy of podcasts, uh, any of them or all three, we'd really love it. Uh, follow us at untitled underscore cast on all those social medias. Um, and as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Hey, Matt, can I borrow some clean piss? God damn it.